Life is a blank canvas and you paint your own story. I'm Lee Rogers and welcome to The Blank Canvas. I'm going to be chatting with the trailblazers, artists, thought leaders, athletes, the entrepreneurs and creators, incredible individuals who inspire us to live large. This week we're celebrating the one year anniversary of The Blank Canvas podcast. Can't believe it's already a year clocked up. 44 episodes so far. A big thanks to all the stellar guests who've shared their stories and wisdom and to every one of you out there who's tuned in. To celebrate this milestone, I wanted to ensure this week is an extra special episode. So for the first time, I have not one, but two guests. Jimmy Barnes probably needs no introduction, but for the benefit of those listening who don't know him, here goes. Jimmy Barnes is the heart and soul of Australian rock and roll. Born in Glasgow, Scotland, raised in Adelaide, Australia, Jimmy was 16 when he joined the band Cold Chisel in 1973. Raised on tough soul music and gutsy rock, Jimmy brought his monumental passion and unique vocal style to what was essentially the most powerful live act in the heyday of Australian pub rock. Barnsey, as he's affectionately known, went solo in the 80s and since that time he's been through it all and lived to tell the tales. He's sold more records in Australia than any other local rock and roll artist. He's enjoyed 18 number one albums and for over 40 years he's delivered some of our most fierce and iconic live performances. Barnsey has mellowed over the years and found peace with his demons with some help from my other guest today, Jane Barnes, the woman that's been by his side for 40 years. But what we've discovered of late via literally hundreds of live at home performances that comforted many of us during the isolation that was 2020 and 21 is that Jane Barnes is Jimmy's rock, his angel, his guiding light. In fact, Jimmy's latest book, Killing Time, Short Stories from the Long Road Home, is virtually a love letter to the woman who has literally kept him alive and the show on the road. Like Jimmy's previous two memoirs, this book went straight to number one on the non-fiction book charts and has become the most successful biographical series in Australian publishing history. Jimmy's output for 40 plus years has been prolific to say the least. About the only thing he hasn't done is write a cookbook. Well, Actually, you can tick that off too. He and Jane have been cooking up a storm in lockdown and their cookbook, Where the River Bends, is out in November. And Jimmy's also got another kid's book, Rosie the Rhinoceros, coming out in October. I've had the good fortune to be a guest at their house, Where the River Bends, and I kid you not, they're genuine master chefs. It's a real honour to welcome to the blank canvas, rock and roll royalty, Jane and Jimmy Barnes. Hey guys. How are you? Good. Nice to see you both. Thanks for both coming on. That's all right. Gives us something to do and have to talk to our <laughs> friends during lockdown. It's good. Oh, that's great. Hey, um, I've just read this book. What do you reckon? Bloody hell. You can write. <laughs> You're a champion. That's another thing. Gave me something to do during lockdown. No, I, I'm enjoying the process. I'm enjoying writing. I get in here in my little study here and put vinyl on the turntable and I sit and I, you know, power away through the day. It's good fun. It's really impressive and your recollection and your detail is extraordinary for somebody who's, you know, lived the rock star life you have. I'm impressed. Well, you should see the short-term memory. It's gone. 
<laughs> that comes with age. <laughs> yeah, that's a bit age. I really enjoyed it. And I mean, it's kind of feels like a bit of a love letter to Jane and your union and your family. And so I'm glad I, you said that to her. And, <laughs> <laughs> so it just felt, you know, it felt really appropriate to have you both on. Well, you know, yeah, well, you know, we've Thanks. been together 40 years, a month or so mm-hmm. ago. And so, uh, so you know, the 40 years, there's a lot of, lot of life that we've lived together. You know, a lot of, lot of you know, highs, lots of lows, and, you know, lots of really great things that we've done together. You know, we're, we're, we're quite elderly, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't believe it. Uh, yeah, I found it really surprisingly moving. I know you're quirky and I knew it'd be fun and, and you guys are adventurous, but I was really moved by it and... I think probably particularly because I felt personally like there was quite a lot of parallels there with, you know, I'm married to an exotic, wonderful beauty who shines light everywhere she goes. How lucky are we, hey? How lucky are we? <laughs> we are so bloody lucky. How did we, how did we land so well on our feet? Oh, I, I know, in, incredible. But, um, yeah, so some of the stories, like, you know, going because. when you went to thailand for the first time and met the family and that whole thing i mean i had similar experiences when kate took me to Kauai, the island in hawaii for the first time you know to meet her dad's relatives and aunties and all that stuff and they were like who's this skinny white guy you bringing along here (laughs) what's with this you know ours is like oh gosh look at all that his long hair yeah because i the first time i went i had long hair and then i got it cut off I had long, I've got long curly hair too. So I had that going on as well. Does he tell the story of your hair first haircut? Yeah, your first China? haircut, yeah. Did you? Yeah, the first haircut. That's the story. Yeah. Go the same with your Uncle Chai. Yeah, was good and yeah, that's he, in there. Um, they straighten the curly hair and it came out looking like. But, I, but, I, no, but listen, let me just, just so anybody hasn't read it. It's, you know, what happened was I was trying to be independent, you know, and we're there, we were staying just near the Regent Hotel in Bangkok, near the sports club there. What could go and I wrong? and I thought what could go wrong? It's a big hotel. The barbers are going to speak English. I said, yeah, Jane, you stay here. You know, I've got this covered because I, I actually like when I travel. I love that, like going to Japan the first time when you're walking around the street and you're a complete alien and you can't speak to anybody and it's a battle just trying to organize a cup of coffee. So I thought I could do this. So I thought I'd start off easy. I'd go to the big hotel where all the Westerners go and it'd be, of course, they didn't speak a word of English. And I get in there and I got this curly matted hair that I didn't comb or anything. And, uh, and they just looked at me and I could see the blood drain from their faces when they looked at my hair. And so I'm sitting there and I thought, this is not going to end well. And so they went through the whole spiel. First off, they straightened it all. They took them. Because they know, don't know how to cut. Took them about hair. an hour to straighten it, to get all the knots out and stuff and straightened it. And then so suddenly I looked like, and I looked like I had, like, looked like I had a motorbike helmet. Lioness. A lioness cut, <laughs> looked like. Or Planet of the Apes mouse. <laughs> And um, so I'm sitting there and I'm looking, I'm going, this is not going good. I hope they're not finished. And then they started to cut it. <laughs> And I just sat there, and and by the time they finished, it was all quaffed and, and neat, and it was it was all you know, foo and you know, blow dried and all that. And I look, I couldn't say anything, you know. And I'm, okay, thanks, you know. And Jane was there to meet me, and as we walked out, there was one of these big urns, water urns outside with lotus flowers in it. <laughs> And I just went out and stuck my head in the, in the uh, thing and, and it went boing and it was back to where it was and where it started. So it was okay. But I wish we had iPhones in. Yeah. that would have been. That would have no, been. No cool. photos of it. It was hilarious. Not long after that, I did the same thing. I took Mahalia to Mahalia. get a haircut when she was little, just when we went back with Mahalia. And she had the curly hair and they didn't know how to cut it. And her hair went straight after that. And Jane wanted to kill me because I just couldn't tell it to stop. <laughs> 
But she lost her little curls. Little curls. But She's never forgiven me for it. They're back now. They're back. <laughs> that is awesome. Hey, something I noticed in the book, and really even just of late, like you guys really share a lot. You share your lives and a lot of personal detail in a way, and you're a really strong union. Traditionally in the music business, it was the accepted strategy of like, okay, well, if you've got a, a male artist, then, you know, you don't have the wife around too much. You don't have, you know, you don't even have women in the music videos. Let the fans see themselves with the artist, that kind of thing. Was there a point where you took that approach and then you went, you know what, this is us, this is who we are? Well, we, no, we always like to spend time together. There were times where we didn't travel, but, you know, when the kids came along, it got harder. You know? And uh, look, I was pretty clueless as far as what happened in a, a you know, music industry. It was just something that was not a part of my experience growing up. So I really didn't have that, what it's supposed to be. Or we, what didn't, it was. No, we didn't have any, you know, we didn't like run by the rules because Jane didn't know anything about the music industry. <laughs> And so just, she just did what she wanted. And I, and I just wanted her around. So it was fine. Yeah, it was good. It worked out fine. I used to, I, I mean, today I heard on the news that Dusty from ZZ Top died. Yeah. So I went on tour with ZZ Top in the mid 80s. And um, it was all set up at Geffen Records. And I had this big management team that managed Brian Adams and all this. And I was on tour and I said, oh, look, I want to bring my wife and kids out. You know, I'm missing them. And the management go, what are you talking about? You know, expect this is in America. This is in the heart of that sort of music business stuff. I'm going, I want my, I want to get another bus. And I'm going to have my wife and my kids and the nanny. The manager's going, are you crazy? And I went, no. What do, you, what do you want that for? I said, because I miss them, you know? And so the music business there for us didn't have a clue how to deal with that. They obviously weren't used to that at all. Yes, I think it was more other people who just couldn't figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we just did what? Yeah, gotcha. I mean... You know, for a while there, you were a hard parting rocker. And I guess traditionally those guys are like, yeah, I don't, don't want the wife around. But clearly you, you didn't cramp his style too much. But, but <laughs> I don't style? know. What style? <laughs> but um, <laughs> at the end of that tour, the end of the ZZ tour, the drummer had just had two baby twins. And he actually came over Frank to Beard, our because, bus. Yeah, because he's seen us with the bus with a nanny and all that. With yeah. big babies. And, and he asked to speak to the nanny to see what it was like to have if it was possible. And I think after the our tour with all the kids around. ZZ Top started Beard, touring yeah. with, with babies in, in the, on their tour buses and stuff. <laughs> but one each. They got know? their own tour bus. Yeah. yeah so we sort, of, we sort of broke, broke ground from. Yeah, you know, it was, um, listen, Jane could party as hard as the best of them. You know, a good sparring partner there. <laughs> Not really. Yeah, pretty good. Constantly, I would, I'd get alcoholic poisoning because I can't do alcohol at all. She um, would go. She'd go. We'd go out, and she'd say, "Oh, I can't do alcohol." She'd have twenty-seven kamikazes. Oh, that's rubbish. I'd have, I'd have three. I'd have three, and end up. I'd You'd be have the 20, one. We had twenty-seven. No, you did. But I would end up in hospital on the trip. Oh, for yeah. the weekend. Yeah, so yeah. that's how he'd get rid of me, you see. <laughs> he'd nobble me. I'd be in the hospital, like, until Monday morning. Yeah. Oh, wow. And they'd come in to see, oh, you okay, Jane? And off they'd go party yeah. again. Wow. Three in the morning, I'd be in, on a drip. Wow. <laughs> so how does a conversation go when you're out somewhere and you want to kick on, Jimmy, and Jane wants to go home? Oh, it's normally the other way around now. <laughs> Really, Jane? I think. Look, I'm like I, I, you know, I've got to work tomorrow. You know, um, no, no, no. <laughs> no, you know, listen, we partied on. If we were kicking on, we kick on together. 
you know, that no, part. sometimes we'd want different partying, so yeah, right. You know, there's, there's been a few times, there's been a few times where there's been a few times where, like, Jane, I remember Jane was going through like the Mardi Gras and stuff like that, and I, you know, and I'm going, come on, and you know, it's right into four the in the morning, you've got to get get home, you know, it's a ridiculous time. What sort of <laughs> whose who's bloody wife is out I, dancing I got a call in clubs? Time. Yeah, what sort of what sort of behavior is this? I got a call and it was five <laughs> in the morning, and it's like. You know, I don't want the mother of my children in some club, you know, full of in some sweaty gay blokes. Bar. In some gay bar full of sweaty blokes, buddy. Come home. Taking drugs and dancing, you know, get home here. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry, we had our moments. And so tell me, because you guys have traveled so much, I know for myself with Kate, probably the biggest arguments we've had have been in travel, in transit, jet lagged, on a plane, and, you know, there's people there or you, there's, you can't find a private spot and it's just this, it's like a really awkward situation. I mean, I know we didn't all have smartphones, you know, back in the day, but um, how have you guys managed to navigate that with the life on the road so well, it seems? We, we all grow at different times, you know, life growth, and we all, we're different. There's no doubt about that. So I think being with somebody is, you know, you've just got to make a choice. You can make a choice every minute of the day. And you give and take, and that's all there is to it. And we, we'd have fights, you know, when we, you know, like any couple, we'd fight. And, you know, like you said, and it happens at uncomfortable times in, in airports. There's been times where, you know, you know, going through airports or in like in, in the lobby of a hotel in New York City and, and Jane decides to storm off and walk home to Australia, you know, without a passport. <laughs> you know, uh, there's been a few things like that, you know, and, and I've, I've done oh, the same. Oh, you never stormed off. I've, I used to storm. I've, I've stormed off. <laughs> she stormed off for half. I'd storm off in a minute and a half. But, you know, most of the time, if we're in confined spaces like that, we were sort of polite enough where we didn't involve the whole plane. <laughs> you know, it didn't become come at blows. No, or... but, you know, and sometimes, unfortunately, sometimes other people, other elements come in, invade your space because you've got the same situation with Kate. You understand where somebody's inappropriate or they just act disrespectfully, you know, pushing you out of the way or pushing the kids out of the way. And then that shit sort of starts, you know, you know, when you, when you say, you know, you're in an airplane or something and, and some drunken woman, you know, says, can I have a bloody photo? You know, when you're holding the baby or something and you get up and she grabs your ass, you know, it's not, you know, it's not the right thing to do, you know? Yeah. And, you know, like really, and with celebrity, I think people get uncomfortable and get and they really act out, of character. out of character, you know, they say stupid they say. things to you and, and, oh yeah, you know, you're my oh, celebrity they... out, you know, you know, okay, what the hell is that? Are you, what, you, <laughs> Yeah. It's just they say things that I'm sure they wouldn't normally say or they wouldn't normally, you know, think. And they're awkward. They're uncomfortable. And, you know, so many times where people like just this is a sort of a minor thing where they say, oh, you're my biggest fan. I'm going, am I? <laughs> you know, no. Because you know, they just they're, they're so confused and, and nervous. They, yeah, but anyway, you just really have to sort of consciously choose to not take that on, take a deep breath. Yeah. And just sort of be, you know, be in the state of grace or keep your grace throughout that don't sort of stuff. Them. And, you know, don't, don't don't let that sort of stuff take your power away. Yeah, don't throw any punches. Of, it's always a good rule. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Jimmy, you've been through some dark times and no doubt Jane and the family have, you know, when you've written about it, helped get you through that and you've come out the other side and you're in fine form and entertaining millions daily <laughs> um, like through some of those times where jimmy was being so self-destructive it must have been 
worrisome and heartbreaking at times. What would you say to him to like pull him out? Well, I don't know if I was sort of probably a bit insensitive to it or I didn't look at it like it was my, I don't know. People say, oh, no, you saved his life, all this stuff. But I think that he did that himself. I don't know. I just let him know that he was very loved and that he was certainly the love of my life and whatever it is, you know, we're there. I'm there and, you know, we're all there. My family were all there. Yeah, because I, you know, I, was, to... I wasn't used to being part of a family, really, you know, because my family was so dysfunctional as I grew up. And then my next family became was a rock and roll band, you know, was called Chisel. So, um, because so... my with us, I think you know, my sisters, um, we're very, very close. We've we live next door to each other, and you know, we come with each other. Yeah, we're very, very close. And, and, and also... they were always there. And culturally, Jimmy you know, like I mean, Jane's family, Jane's family would have arguments and fights like any family, you know. But, you know, they'd, they'd argue. And then two minutes later, you know, would you like something to eat? You know, and it'd be really sweet. <laughs> My family are Scottish, you know. When we start a fight, it goes for years. I know. You know, we feud. <laughs> they you know, feud. I, I would not talk to my mum for years, you know. Well, and just... Jane would go, Jane, you can't not talk to your mum. What are you doing? I said, she started it, you know. You know, and, and I would say, Jimmy, I could never, you know, and we'd discuss it and we'd say, there's nothing that could happen between my girls and I or my son where I couldn't pick up the phone to them for a year. This is after a year. Like, and I said, you need to call your mom. And I'm going, oh, I don't you know? know. I don't know. And so whatever it is, it, I guess we were so different yeah. that it was nothing for me to say things like that. Right. Like, you know, it's okay. You know, it's okay if we don't agree. It's okay if somebody doesn't like you or, you know, it's not the end of the world. It, we love you. Yeah. We don't like you all the time, but you know it's okay. <laughs> so, long, it, long as you get. Which really made me worse. You was, don't like me. Was, that's all I heard. I know. It was, that was pure all I and hear. honest. It was pure and honest. And they don't like me. Oh my and then god. I, <laughs> yeah, we we like to say, long as you're getting it right, more than you're getting it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good thing. That <laughs> is. Yeah. yeah. Hey, um, I really enjoyed learning more about your family, Jane and particularly the Golden Buddha. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. What a wild story. It is a wild story. My, my grandfather um, went to Thailand from China before the revolution, and I think he comes from a family of merchants and medical family, Chinese medicine, and he went over to Thailand. He had 26 children. Seven wives. <laughs> and because um, wow. in those days it was this... Yes, it was a different life and it meant all sorts of different things, mainly that he was wealthy. And he was, as long as you are able to keep everybody in the same manner, every family that you have. So we have blokes like that in Scotland too. They all lived, they all lived in hovels. <laughs> <laughs> but the, um, <laughs> yes, he had uh, this big plaster Buddha that was stored in one of his basements. In Chinatown. Yeah, big part of Chinatown in Bangkok. And um, it was covered in plaster. And in, in ancient times, the Thais used to be cover warring. their treasures. The warring with Burma and the Burmese would raid and steal the so, treasures. So they used to cover their treasures in plaster. But, you know, grandfather didn't know that. And he tried to lift it out of the basement because I think there was some flooding. And, of so course, heavy. it was so heavy that the crane snapped, the crane broke. 
and the a chink of plaster came off and revealed this gold and it is the so biggest tons, seven, I think tons? it's I think it's yeah between six and seven tons of solid gold yeah and it's the biggest piece of gold in the world and he gave it to the temple the what did I meet in Chinatown he's buried there and a lot has happened since then and as you can imagine, you know, with powers and they've actually written him out of the history, but there's an article about it in one of the he's buried there. Time magazines in the 60s and he's buried there. So they can't sort of change that. And, you know, when you go there, they, they've moved the, the Buddha into a new pagoda that sort of somebody else built has claimed that's theirs and all of that. But, you know. We, we he's the buried story. there they can't move him and but it was incredible the, the buddha yeah. that's they our moved, legacy they moved that buddha to uh ayutthaya for a while really? with the, the old capital moving it around to keep away from these raiding burmese and it ended up you know in this cellar and somehow in all the movie the people who moved it got killed or whatever and it was just forgotten about you know in the turmoil yes and, well, and, 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 James, the wall. and there was lots of stone buddhas that they had in storage ready to put out somewhere else you know and this is just another mm. stone looking buddha Wow, it's unbelievable. Have you been to Bangkok? Oh, yeah, yeah. I've worked up there. I've, you know, directed commercials and things up there. It's an incredible place. And have place. you visited this, this yes, temple? Yes, I have, absolutely. Because, because it's a, you know, it's not your flash temple. It's now they've, but the, you the know, Buddhas, now it's the you, Buddhas but, but the Buddha's, the, it, it's, he's just, yeah, yeah. It's incredible. With your dad having come from China to Thailand, did he adopt Buddhism as a, as a religion? My grandfather. Oh, okay. My grandfather came from China. Right. Yes. Okay. You know. Um, he was Buddhist anyway, wasn't he? Yes, I think so. He was Buddhist. Yeah. You know, well, my grandmother was his first Thai oh, wow. wife, wife number four. Wow. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Amazing. So it's incredible. Yeah, it's, and it's, you know, not that long ago when you I mean, Jane's book it. would be much more interesting than mine. I, I keep telling the publishers, I said, you want a story? Get this story. <laughs> this is the one. <laughs> Yeah, it is amazing. Well, clearly, you know, whether you're practicing spiritually or not, Jane, your approach, your Thai sensibility has obviously been a calming balm, I guess you could say, at times for Jimmy. Not all the time, mate, but sometimes. I'm the most aggressive Scottish Buddhist in the world. Scottish Buddhism, you know, like uh, it's sort of, it's a bit more physical, Scottish Buddhism. <laughs> uh, no, I like it. It's a good combination. Yeah, it is. It's good. I've learned a lot from Jane. Yeah, no, it's beautiful. Hey, I'd like to play a song, if that's okay. Mm-hmm. Loving the new album, Flesh and Blood, it's a cracker of a song. And, you know, it seems to, I guess, communicate a lot about the strength of the family and this point in your life. Yeah, well, you know, I wrote that song particularly because, you know, like, I remember looking at my kids in my one of my kids' eyes one day, and I couldn't see myself in there, and and that was scary, because I could see the good and the bad. But the thing is, um, obviously that DNA thing, you know, they got they got all my my good and bad, but they also got all Jane's good and bad. So the kids have new software. We like to talk about them being being. Like, I had the latest model of computer. They're the latest model of us. Yeah, and so you and, know the the things that yeah. I, that would have stopped me, you know, that held me back. You know, what I was dealing with when I was 50, they dealt with when they were 15, you know? You see, so, I don't see much bad in them, you know. It's interesting. No, no, it's just, see no, you can see, not, not bad, but no, <laughs> no, bad, bad in, you know, like things that worry you. Right. You know, and I can see, you, you can see me in them. I can see, <laughs> see you See the stuff looking. in this. Sometimes, you know, you say, oh, you know, that reminds me a bit of your mother. But, but you know, the... <laughs> 
They, you know, that's they get, not bad things. You know, no, they are bad things. <laughs> Trust me. No, because with mixed with the with what the programming and what you how you bring them up, stubbornness is a fine line between that and fortitude or resilience. Yeah. You know. Absolutely. Uh, don't you don't want to. Yeah, you don't want to knock the spirit out of them. Life's tough. No, but no, but they do have different software. They, di- they have different software, and they're, mm. they're like the two point zero version of you. You know, and yeah. the things that were problems for you aren't problems for them, and so they don't have to deal with that. Well, same I stuff. think they can see that problem, recognize that in you, and there's yeah. that that opportunity for yeah. us to say, "Hey, you know how mom gets or dad gets like this." Yeah, well, particularly Just... dad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And um, and so so I wrote the song about it. And the thing is, in the end, it's you know they they have all that. And all you can do is is give them all the tools you can give them. Teach them about love. Teach them to be decent. Teach them to be caring. Teach them to be giving, kind, open, yeah. kind. And if you give them all those tools, they're going to make their own way, and they're going to make their own mistakes, and they're going to do fine. You know. Sounds like a plan. Here's the song. It's 
can see the light of the new sunrise when I'm looking to their eyes. And I know that they'll get back. My flesh and blood have the world laid out right in front of them, and their hearts will be their guides and taken in their stride. Jimmy, it must still blow your mind every time an album goes number one. This is your 18th. Yeah, I'm, you know, well, listen, I just, I put a lot of pressure on myself because I want things to be great. Every record I make, I want it to be a, a progression. I want to get better. And particularly in the last, you know, 10 years or so where I've really just looked at myself and I just think, all right, I've got this much time to work and, and what have I got to learn in that time? And, and so I'm trying to learn and grow as I write. So when, when you make a record, you know, philosophically, I can sit back and go, a record's a success for me if I get what I wanted out of it. If I be able to put all the ideas and all the thought and all the love into it that I meant, and if that comes out in the songs, then it's successful. But on, on another side of it, you know, you've got to be able to get that and, and let people, you know, connect with it as well to sort of have the record. I guess that's your measure where it comes in or it's number one. And I think that's an era that you've sort of worked through where it's sort yeah, of it was it's, it's a, a different it's a different time it's, it's a different time now i mean we used where, to we used to put out records and they'd sell three hundred thousand in a week copies in a week you know and uh and really that's that was a that's a different era you don't do that now you know you get a number one record here it's not any of that measure but what it means is that you're actually getting the profile to that many people and giving that, that many people the opportunity to hear your record if you've got a number one record it means you've got out and you've done the work and you've managed to get it to a lot of people to listen to which gives you a good chance of getting those songs across which in turn influences how you do your live shows and how you communicate with your audience it's just that's the measure i think yeah whereas i write a song and i go oh my god i've just written the best song everything jane does it's the the best song ever (laughs) written (laughs) <laughs> so deluded. I just gone, Jane. So no, this one is the best. <laughs> this is the this is better than this is better than Thriller. <laughs> uh, uh, I hope so. I hope so. I love it. Whereas yeah. I'm I measure everything externally, sort of to a degree. So I'm just waiting for everybody. So that's a really good song. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> We're complete opposites, you know. <laughs> Oh, that's classic. So of late, what's your songwriting process? Do you write some lyrics and poetry or whatever first, or do you hook up with a musician or how are you doing it? Uh, you know what, this this record, for instance, um, I, you know, we were we, in lockdown, we've both been playing a little bit of guitar, Jane playing a lot more than me. 
but that meant my, there was guitars hanging around the house a lot more. So I started just noodling around on the guitar too. A lot of the, my ideas for songs came just late at night. I'd hear something. When I hear a lyric, I'd, I'd write it down. And if I hear a lyric, I'd only have some sort of rhythm or melody to go with it. I was putting these down over a period of about two weeks. Mark was up, Diesel and I. I would, I would sit it late at night and I'd put these ideas down with an idea for a lyric that I had send them to him and then the next day he would send it back and it'd be a song you know and uh, and you also were quite reflective in that i know that you found one of the books that you had written a lot of lyrics in yeah you know quite a few like a decade ago yeah. maybe and um you were able to sort of be reflective and look back on you know a diary in a sense and 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 and, and we wrote about we wrote, on, wrote about wrote about what what I'd learned over the period of the last you know few years from writing books, writing those two the first two books particularly first uh, they really uh, opened up the floodgates for me to be a bit more creative and a bit more open and and be able to look at life of you know a bit clearer uh, without without sort of you know cringing and hiding and wincing and you know it, so it unlocked it and I just I, there was a lot of things I wanted to look at with better eyes you know. So it was easier to write. And I wrote with Jane and, you know, we wrote. We're the best songs ever. Best song ever on the album is <laughs> Jane's. Uh, <laughs> no, that's really interesting. And it, I mean, it is a really, really strong record. I really like it. And I'd agree. I reckon the writing of the books, just from an outsider, it's definitely made a difference. And um, I'm amazed, like the confront for you writing those first two books, like Kate's done, you know, one, she did a memoirs and, I lived through that and I mean, you know, she started it and then she just hated it. She hated looking back and going through and dissecting, looking all that. It was just torture for her, you know, and your past is darker than hers and would have been more confronting to look at that stuff. But it certainly looks like by confronting it and facing it, you've sort of freed yourself from it and you definitely look freer in in the present and able to kind of create in the future and I, I think the, the album reflects that. Yeah, but see, with me, that wasn't really a matter of choice. I, I had to sort of, my big issue was that I, I was running from the past constantly. I was running from everything. I was running from life. I was running from trauma. I was running from fear. I was running from family. I was running from anything and, and, and not letting anything get close to me. And that, we, was, that was ruining, affecting my life and, and my life as far as it was going to go on. Well, you were getting, you wanted to die. Yeah, and I was, I was ready to die to get away because so. I, I couldn't run anymore. And the only way I could continue on or the only way I could grow at all was to stop and confront it and stop and look at it. And I've said this, you know, no matter how fast you run, there's always going to be something snapping at your heels. And the best thing you can do is turn and look at it because at least you know what's coming and you can be prepared and you might not like it, but at least if you look at it and, and deal with it and move on, then you've got a chance. And so, so I didn't have a choice. I had to write those books. That was the difference between Kate and I. I had to do it because it was either do that or die. And so once I did that, uh, you know, and, and, you know, they say, oh, when you look at it, it's not as bad as it seemed, but it was, it was worse than it seemed. <laughs> it was, I actually tempered things down when I wrote those first two books, because I remember the publisher, when I was writing it, they changed from a, a nonfiction to a fiction editor, because they're saying this can't be real, this, you know, this can't be real. And I'm going, nah, actually, I'm toning it down. <laughs> well, they they sort of needed it to be toned down. They needed well. it to be toned down so that people could kind of connect with it. Really it's really interesting working with publishers. It's very dark, and so um, I think that doing that, facing that, uh, as as difficult as it was, and it took a couple of years going through it. And I did that, I, you know, not only did I get to write it down like a diary, I got to tour it, and we were doing those like working class boy shows and stuff, and working class man shows. And I'd get up and I'd discuss this stuff for two, three hours every night on stage 
and and there was a lot of stuff that you know would change and you know i, I could be philosophical about one and night things and, would and, come and, to you and, but things would come to me more uh, you know worse things I'd, you know because as i was writing the book i'd be remembering things that my mind had blocked completely and i'd go oh shit you know and I'd, I'd have to write this down on stage i'd be telling stories and trying to make funny jokes and stuff and then suddenly i'd remember something really really dark that i'd completely missed so things were so at times during the tour it sort of overwhelmed me but that was sort of like therapy every night too and so by the end of that I think it sort of turned the key and unlocked the door for me so well, you know you either get stuck in your past and even if people face it sometimes it becomes their flag yeah you know but I think what's wonderful about well hey look you see you've moved on you've able to move on you can help others relate um who relate and yeah and I didn't want to think it's opened a lot of doors yeah and I didn't want to sit and just keep dwelling and and oh woe is me in the past and all that sort of stuff yeah. I wanted to actually you know move forward from it and and be able to take forward steps and 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 part of that was looking at how that was affecting what I was doing now and what it was going to affecting how what I was going to be doing in the future and use it as, as opposed to an anchor use it as a springboard you know and we all yeah that's and of course, I, and I had the eternal optimist with me going, going come on now. this is the best book ever it. written. Okay, <laughs> come on now, get over it. It's get over enough, now. Let's enough go. of this. Let's like, can you write a happy book? Can you just, can you just call the therapist now? Bring a happy, write um, a happy book. Get come over on. it. So I write the kids' books. We've got stuff to do. <laughs> really, come on. Can we travel now? And then, of course, we've got it all done and we can't go anywhere. We can't, we can, you know, yeah, I'm supposed to be on a train to no, Italy. It's good. And, uh, <laughs> No, okay. it was always, can we stay home? Yeah. <laughs> no, it's it's great. And honestly, just watching you guys, I guess how you've reacted when the you know pandemic and the lockdown and all of that started, you guys were really quick out of the blocks in opening up your house and entertaining and inspiring and uplifting people every day. And it's been such a beautiful outflow. You've got a lot of love and, and a lot back from it, but it's turned out to be a precious time for you guys from what I can see. Well, love is not finite. And if you have a lot of love and, you know, it comes from intention too, you know, just like that intention of, okay, we can in many ways afford like emotionally, in a lot of ways to just get out there and, and with the intention of, come on, something can make the day better because it's hard for a lot of people. And, you know, and I, I still, you know, we're, we're still different because, you know, like, you know, I'll get out, I'll <laughs> fall out of bed and go, oh, Jesus, and then Jane, Jane's writing her, you know, her little blog for the day, go, and my word for the day is enthusiasm. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> Just so you know but but you know it does it's infectious you know it does rub <laughs> off on you and you know and then you see the see the impact you know the see the impact that jane's enthusiasm has on the family and has had on the family forever and then to see that how it's now affected people in the you know social media in sphere street. in the so street we start with our street yeah we start now we go right we walk around our street and take things to our neighbors when they feel well, a bit low they, you know we have quite elderly neighbors and so we take them off soup street. and we make cakes and we walk and they're going what are you doing you know <laughs> and these old people they come out and they go oh that's nice you know but um it's just it's just you do these little bits and and you know we go back and we feel better and then to see how the the songs that we're doing in lockdown were positively affecting people it was a really nice thing and then the oh. right there it is but then to see not only that but to see how it was affecting it's the best us. t-shirt the best t-shirt the best logo 
<laughs> Listen, see, when, when, I, when I, I, we're getting the t-shirts made because it was like two i got a made up because she was did you know 100 songs uh, on the internet on the interweb and um <laughs> my dad calls it the interweb, interweb. so we just uh, we call, call it the interweb, interweb. and so uh, so we're getting out and i get the t-shirts going oh don't do me silly no there's no there is no jane barnes one yes there is and nobody will want them and we've got no, them. we can't make enough of them no it's everybody not that wants them. it's just then it just wasn't a real thing. It was like, you know, you just joke. All the real musicians will be going. Then they're going, yeah, they're going, wish we could, we could get a billion viewers on our, on our. You know, I'm sitting at home, like, playing rock songs, going, nobody's watching. Love it. But it was so positive, the effect that it had on people. Yeah. It was, it was inspiring. And then, you know, and then we. No, but it looked really great. I thought the artwork was great. The best in the world ever, and then to see how it affected it affected us differently, you know, because you know we it wasn't people saying, "Oh, you look at Jane, look at you with so much love like this now, look at this," and uh, and uh, and, uh, and and I'm you know, not that much minutes, of a goody two minutes be, minutes before I turned the camera on, she was like, "Ah, want to kill me," and uh, he's prone to exaggerate. I do no, but, no, no, a million times I told you I don't exaggerate, um, but um. But you know, so so we'd be fighting one minute, and then the songs would pull us out of it, and we'd get get one done, and it, it would you know. Well, it's with that intention, you yeah, see. That was nice. Yeah. Comes back to that word. That might be my word of the day. Intention. <laughs> I think that's enthusiasm. That's, that's the word of a lifetime. Intention. That one, because yeah. what you put, you put your intention on, or your attention on, that's what you're yeah. going to get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You that's know, it. And that's what you guys have done. I mean, it was interesting. And we, did, and we didn't do it for any reason to promote anything. No. We weren't selling anything. We weren't doing it. It was just. Yeah. It was something to connect. They feel connected to people. That's right. Well, we were in Melbourne during the lockdown and it was sort of pretty hardcore down there last year. And, um, you know, Kate, to a credit, when it first happened, you know her, she's always going at 11. And um, for her to sort of suddenly stop, she's been going at 11 on the dial for 40 years, kind of like you. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, for her, it was just like, oh, I can't just you know, I got to do something. And we're like, okay, let, let's do live streaming concerts from home. And I'm flat out on all this other stuff. And I'm like, oh, look, you know, if you want to do that, that's fine. You go for it. I haven't got time for it. That was the start of it. And then the she's plan. out there with the camera and she's like, can you come over here, show me, tell me how to, which one do I do? And I'm just we like, still okay. We can't live stream. Yeah. We so, still we can't live stream. We have to get the kids to live stream for us. Yeah, yeah. So we started off, you know, rebooting Kate's 90s ABC TV show, Kate and Friends rebooted yeah. that and the first week it was one camera and it was really simple and I just came in and just sort of operated the camera then the next week we've got other guests we've got pre-roll we've got this we've got five images on Lucky screen you knew what you were doing oh my you know, god and so I mean it just went off but after eight or nine weeks I mean our house just became you know a 24-7 recording and tv studio and after nine weeks of it I'm like Okay, this has got to stop. We've got to wrap it up. I reckon people are getting burnt out of live streaming. This is the only studio we have because <laughs> the iPhone would be mounted up there and it's wonderful. You mix yourself. You get closer. You stand a bit closer. Yeah. I'll be over here. And the compressors yeah. make it Old all sound good. recording. So yeah. it's like watching Roy Orbison record when we did it. Yeah. Well, you, you kept it simple. We we got complex. It worked, <laughs> you worked got, really. You got the TV studio. Oh, it worked well, but, but uh, we burnt ourselves out after eight weeks. And I thought, okay, people are burnt out on this live streaming thing. So we wrapped it up after six weeks. And and it was great, but then I've watched you guys just roll out every day for a for a year or a hundred songs, or it's on the and back. Really, back two hundred now, so over two hundred now. Two hundred songs, and um, well, 
and it's it becomes it's, part of your routine. I mean, yeah. look, you're locked down now again, mm. aren't you? With us, sort of. Yeah, well, we're not in the red zone, but we're but locked we've down. Got, you yeah. know, we've we've we chose to sort of make our own little bubble and and restrict ourselves, although we're not in the red zone. And you've come from another lockdown to this one. But isn't yeah. it amazing how things develop organically, like your live streaming yeah. and like this, you know, this whole thing. And and, yeah. and it starts with an intention to just... Is that word again? It totally does. Well, the podcast itself, this is something that came out of lockdown of me at home and thinking, That's God, right. there's so much bad news. I've worked and, you know, I've had conversations with so many interesting, inspiring people. Why don't I call them up, see if they want to have a chat and, and let's put some good news out there for people to hear. Yeah, yep. it's good. That's perfect. And we got to, we, we, at the moment, we're doing the Olympics, yes. which is good. So yeah. we've been going through um, Australian, Australian anthems. anthems. Oh Which yeah, been, yeah. Actually, I just saw your uh, you're the voice one. That, that was pretty epic. <laughs> hey, yeah, um, I mean, we had a ball when we came and had dinner at your place that night, and that was awesome. Yeah, it was awesome. So to be be a part of one of these glorious songs was something very special. Well, I think that's pretty much a million views on that one. The one with Kate. The one with Kate. Wow. Holy shit. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, Eleven ate that one. It was a good one. Yeah. <laughs> and that venison, my God. Thank you, Pete. <laughs> you guys are the most incredible chefs. And, and so that's a good segue to the book. What is it? The Bend of the, the River? River or bend. Where the, the River Bend. bend. This house where we live is called River Bend. And right on, oh. the, on the bend of the Winter Caribbean River. And it's just a, we've been here for about 17 years now. You, you got to see it. Yeah, he was here. That. No, yeah, no, yeah. That's right. Yeah, I was operating the camera. So I wasn't in the, <laughs> I, I should have been in the, I could have been in a million view. I could have been viral. but yeah you know this is our home and food has always been a huge thing in our lives in case you couldn't tell Um, we love to eat like music it's a way of connecting with people on an emotional and a spiritual level i think it really cuts through everything and and you sit down and have a meal with someone and you really get to know someone and the opportunity to create something delicious for people that you love, and I think it just and it's been a way for us the, to communicate the with our kids. Part of brings out the best, I think, in people. Yeah, and you know, and with our kids, you know, like everybody's lives and rock and rolls going on, mothering, school, and then that's you know six thirty or seven o'clock at night, we'd sit down and have dinner, and we'd all sit at the table, and it would be just all the kids would would be talking. It, it triggers a different brings mood. us all back to the family again. Yeah, yeah. well, I the mean, food's been very important to us as a family. Yeah, I mean, I could see. I mean, we were hanging for a few hours before we ate and the amount of energy that you guys imbued into that food it was i mean it was something to behold yeah well yeah and and it's funny because you know like i'm the lovely assistant jane's a really good cook i'm not bad but but but, you know like have you ever seen pepe le pew and you know chasing the the cat you know jane's like really calm and hello i'm coming hello machete and i'm 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 sweating and i'm I'm burning things and and i don't it's really chaotic in the kitchen when i and i use every part that's filthy and jane's just calmly Plodding along. Yeah, you're the, about, yeah. the bottle chef. I, I would <laughs> never have thought Pepe Le Pew, but anyway, I understand. <laughs> I, I think the book is going to go off. When does it come out? Probably the, the, the wrong expression. <laughs> well, <put> it <laughs> yeah. It's out on the 29th of October. Okay. Yeah, I think it's going to do really well. These are literally the recipes that we have shared as a family, you know, when we've, we've celebrated, when we've, when we've grieved, when we've, you know, had friends, when we've shown love, when we've 
for we've, there's all the recipes we've had that have held us together as a family and extended our family that we've learned from other friends that we've you know mm. we've cooked with friends or we've in our travels Jane, chefy friends chefy friends <laughs> Jane you know luckily grew up in that family where she the daughter of a diplomat and traveled the world and she you know, has this incredible knowledge and and exposure to great food from around the world so it's quite an interesting sort of mm. menu and beautiful photos beautiful photos <laughs> the best photos ever <laughs> It's the best cookbook ever. Sure, is it? Is it? No, it's not. Come on, you can say that. It's a beautiful book. You can say it. It's okay. Stop it. I think it's the best cookbook. (laughs) (laughs) How how many recipes in there? Like how much is other stuff? Is it all recipes and photos, or are there stories and writing and stuff? Sixty recipes. Okay. And I write I write an intro for each each sort of chapter, and And Jane writes an intro for each chapter too. So it's not an intro. They're different. We talk tell different different stories too. Okay. Like you know, going to the markets in Luca or you know, just our travel food stories and yeah, yeah. And I talk about charcoal (laughs) and 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 burning things from my mum who used to burn everything. Never had a barbecue. She used to just burn everything, <laughs> even the water. Uh, so you know, we sure. we can't like, once again. It's from different backgrounds, and these and those two worlds collide in the in the recipes as they do in everything else. Yeah, he do. didn't have any lunch at school and stuff, and I would have my lunch driven she, to me, driven to oh. her by the driver. Oh wow! <laughs> so wow. Four and, oh, and I'd be up hiding at the back because I didn't have any. Oh, is there a haggis recipe in there? No, there's not, but there's no. a few good Scottish things in there. She didn't like haggis. I oh, like it. Yeah. When they open the stomach, it's really awful. No, no, smelly. it's only when it's been in the sun all day. Well, I don't know. <laughs> it's just put me off a life on we, the... We, I was the, um, the... You were the chieftain? Chieftain at, at the, at the Brigid Highland Games down here. And uh, it was incredible and a really amazing day. But what you're there for the whole day and sitting on this big plate next to you is this haggis which is going to be served that night. <laughs> and it was a hot day. And we were there all day. And uh, and there was 400 pipers and marching. And it was just incredible. That was incredible. And then they, went to, they, went, and they went to the dinner later. So and they brought in the, the, the haggis that had been in the sun all day and cut it open. And Jane's going, I'm not eating. I said, I've got to leave this whole I've got to leave. She says, you can't. You're Mrs. Chief. And you've you're got Mrs. To Chief. It. You've got to hang in. Hang in with the Chief. Come on. No, no this is not right. Like, and then, you know, like she, I think she stripped the willow out of the uh, out of the hole. <laughs> no. Look, I, I, I think you're right. Hey, come back. You know, I think you're I'm the right. Chief. We've had, um, we've had haggis balls. They're Excuse of, me? <laughs> <laughs> what would you call me? You know? Um, you know, they're sort of like Arancini and like when we went to Scotland last they were time. Like, they were they're, like, they're like gourmet balls, and they, balls. they were actually delicious. So it's potentially right. it's a good dish. Potentially. Potentially. Cooked by the right chef, it's a good dish. Me and Jock's on Frillo are going to do one. We're going to do a good haggis oh, for wow. one day. It's the intention. If you had the intention, Jane, to make good haggis balls, then we'll be great. You know what? That may be one thing and maybe the intention that's a help. long bow. Uh, no, listen, you could do it, I'm sure. You can still have good intentions and make a... You'll love it. Something Scottish. awful. <laughs> oh, no, I'm now open. Four right. years on, I'm open. All right, I'll oh, take, wow. Thank, I'll, I'll ring you up and order that. They now. made some... Um, you made some amazing... Toddy scones, is that what they're Toddy scones, called? yeah. We the made, other we made day, it. and I have to say, I'm getting I'm a bit more 
open to Scottish food. Yes. Black pudding, you like that? I like black pudding. Yes. Yeah, my dad used to do that for brekkie and get the Worcestershire sauce on it and on toast, and that was great. Uh, Loved uh, it. And there's a HP great sauce? one that that I found at the deli down the road. That it's sort good. of like the gourmet with, haggis with and steel, the gourmet black pudding with steel cut oats. It's really good. Yeah, it's I'll nice. send you a photo of the. Oh wow! If you like black pudding, yeah. Hey, um, <laughs> hey Jane, I've got a great memory of backstage at the Opera House. Remember that show a couple of years ago where Jimmy and Kate were doing um, that yeah that new year's eve show on the forecourt of the opera house and um backstage there was you and marcia hines doing up kate's dress and jimmy sort of pacing up and down warming up your voice while you're doing up these leather straps on kate's i mean it was just the funniest sight i think there's a photo of that there is it's Somewhere. a it's a brilliant photo and uh mate listening to you warm up shit that's quite something isn't it yeah it's not really for human ears so uh, no I'm not, I, I forget that other people are in the room you know I'm not, uh, because but when i'm touring when i'm working a lot and my voice gets hard yeah it really takes a lot to warm it up so i scream a lot and um and I, I, half the time i forget people are in the room and how and you know i've done it in frightened kids and stuff like that so it's not good <laughs> well, you, one time he was in the tunnel at, at the, the grand, grand final. final nrl grand final and like did this big scream as they're about to run out and do the thing and this this man was an attendant in the, in, the, in, the, in the coat you know in the gray coat long like gray coat whole, who's going settle down settle down like players like, here you know <laughs> Rugby players are trying to concentrate, you know. I'm like, Shut up! I'm trying to warm up. Uh, Settle down. But that, you know what I remember about that night? Well, it was uh, that was the night I got lost. Got you lost, wasn't it? Oh right. No, that was a different. New oh, that's the Eve. other one. New Year's Eve. We we were at the Opera House for another New Year's Eve, and it was like Spinal Tap in the bowels. In of the, the bowels Opera of the Opera House. House. And I'm going, yeah, I know the way. They're saying, do we need? Do you need someone to take you up to see the midnight show? And I said, no, no, I know the way. And I got us lost, and we missed. The fireworks. Missed everything. Missed the fireworks. Oh, so I was no. lost at home. And I go, I think it's just down here. Turn left, you know, rock and roll. And I got a loss. She was so pissed off. Oh, shit. Yeah. Shit. Missed it. Something else I didn't know about was the Jimmy alarm clock. That's Jane as well. Best alarm clock ever. <laughs> that That is gold. Tell us about Have that. Have you got one? No, I Have don't. I love it. I want one if you've um, got any left. Where did you see one? I've got You'll find one, one yeah. You. That was Jane's. She heard my warm up, and for years she kept telling the merch people, "You've got to do an alarm clock. It will sell heaps." You know, and they were going, "No, you can't. You know, you'd have to well, make a no, thousand units." Is, you know, and stuff. The thing is, in the nineties, the only alarm clocks that were ever made were the digital ones. But I wanted one With that was looked like a cartoon alarm clock. You know. Right. A proper thing with two, the one that we yeah. got, finally got made, and you just couldn't get them made anywhere. So oh, she finally she got a maid. Yeah. And and you know, it's got me screaming on it. And the thing is, <laughs> wait, it will wake you up. It will wake you up. Uh it might, it might wake you up in a good mood. And when we first got them, the kids got them and they were playing with them and they were they, all the grandkids thought it was hilarious. <laughs> you know, and and they'd been playing with them and then left them around the house. And three in the morning, they, like at four in the morning, they started going off around the house, you know, like sounds like something there's an axe murderer in the house, you know. So, but but like Jane once again was right I'll because send you, they I'm were like went like hotcakes. You couldn't get enough of them. Right now, to send one. To this me. is the other thing Jane does here. Like she makes notes for everything. We go to bed, we're exhausted. I said, "What are you doing? She said, I'm making a list. A list for what? I, I'm trying to forget well, things, and you're trying to remember them." 
That's a, see, that's the story. That's given us a book there. I'm, I'm trying to forget things. James trying to remember them. Oh, wow. <laughs> that's gold. About to wrap up, but just back to the book, the uh, chapter, yeah, Money for Bones. Oh, my God. You had me <laughs> sobbing with that. I mean, Oh, really... no, man, man. Listen, I, I'm, I still haven't got over it. My, my guys are here. <laughs> oh, I know. The, the, love, the love that you can have for a dog, a cat, a pet. I mean, we've got this dog, Pluto, now. And we're just, I mean, we're just so. And these guys, these guys lived through the worst of me and the best of me. You know, they'd seen everything. And when nobody else would talk to me, they would still come up and sit with me. You know, like even when when Jane even wouldn't talk to me, they'd come up and say, "It's not you. You're not that bad." You know, (laughs) so really, Jimmy. Yeah, in in Schnauzer, they'd say it. Yeah, and they'd sit with me. And when I was writing the first book, they would sit there, and they'd be the first to hear the stories. I'd read them, and they sort of wagged their tails a bit. It was okay. (laughs) Um, so, uh, you know, we lost them both in a, in a period mm-hmm. of about six months, eight months, yeah, eight and months. it was just heartbreaking. And I just wanted to write about them because they meant so much to me. And, and they, sh- they sort of were showing me that, that unconditional love that, uh, you know, that I never thought existed, you know, before, really. They were the, the ones that drove it home and, and, and shared it with me when I couldn't see it anywhere else because it was right in front of my face. But they were the little furry guys who never did a thing wrong. No, it was beautifully written, mate, and a beautiful celebration of them. And um, I love the book. Congratulations on it. And um, thanks for the gutsy effort to um, face your demons and share the story with everyone and, um, you know, keep inspiring us and entertaining us. So thanks, guys. And you too. You too, yeah. Good on you guys. See you, mate. Bye. Bye. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did both national treasures as far as I'm concerned. For all things Jimmy, head to his website, jimmybarnes.com. To order the cookbook, Where the River Bends, head to booktopia.com.au. To order the kids' book, Rosie the Rhinoceros, head to dimmicks.com.au. Thanks again to all the wonderful guests who have generously shared their stories, their wisdom and inspiration with us all over the last year. And a big shout out to the team who have brought the blank canvas to you each week. Rin McDonald, my co-producer. Jason Murphy at Gas Inc., my sound guru. Pete Barrett at Hoof for his design of the blank canvas artwork. Tash Curato for her work with the website and the weekly tiles. Rodrigo Bustos for his killer music. Tatiana Marchant at Estella PR. Thanks for all your help. And a big hearty thanks to the Herald Sun and the other media outlets who have given us some great coverage and support over the last year. I've got plenty more amazing guests coming for the next year as well. As challenging as the last year has been, it's worth remembering life is a blank canvas and you paint your own story. Until next week, live large. Blank Canvas is produced by Lee Rogers and me, Rin MacDonald, with audio support by Jason Murphy at Gas Inc. and music by Rodrigo Bustos. This has been a Milovich production.